Welcome back to the Victor E. History Podcast from the History Program at Fort Hay State University. Here at Victor E. History, we highlight student and faculty research and notable alumni. I'm Holly Marquis, and I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by several guests who are here to talk about their recent study abroad trip to Florence and Prague. So I want to welcome all of you to the podcast, and I'll start by having each of you introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Dr. Perez, and I am an associate professor in the Department of History here at Fort Hayes State University and the leader of the trip. I'm Erin Adams. I'm an on-campus graduate student here at Fort Hayes. Hi, I'm Rachel. I uh, am a graduate student online from Pennsylvania. Hi, I'm Rebecca Bowsen. I'm an online graduate student based in California. Hi, I'm Savannah Baumgart. I am an on-campus undergraduate student here in Hayes. So I want to start off by discussing the course. So Dr. Perez, could you please talk a little bit about the course itself and how the study abroad was an element of the course? Yeah, so this whole thing started when uh, the dean and a professor in the College of Education said they wanted to do a sciency trip uh, in Europe. And so they they brought me in uh, with the history of science background and we started talking about possible places we could go and decided that we would focus on the astronomical revolution in science to follow people like, you know, Kepler, Galileo, Tycho Brahe. And just through our conversations, it just became very natural that, you know, Florence and Prague were the places to be. But you can't talk about the astronomical revolution in science or the or the scientific revolution without talking about European culture, without talking about patronage, money, art, religion, magic, the occult sciences. And so there were just all of these woven strings that we kind of brought together to create a really fantastic web. Did you have any goals in mind for this trip or what you wanted students to take from their experience? Yeah, I think the most amazing thing that I've, I've ever witnessed as a professor is watching students go to the places that they've read about. I think it's for any student of history, it's it's such a wonderful thing to see something that you've read about or to see the streets that people that you've read about, see where they walked, see where they lived, see where they worked. And so really, I think the big takeaway that I wanted from this is that I wanted students to kind of witness those places and feel that awe and, and give them a deeper understanding of history. What were the locations that you visited and how did you pick these locations? Because obviously science happens all over Europe. So how did you come to these two? All right. So Florence was, that was kind of the add-on. We originally were talking about Prague. And of course, Emperor Rudolf and Tycho Brahe and Johannes Kepler were in Prague at various times. Uh, Rudolf was a great patron of science and Tycho and Johannes Kepler were practitioners and very important. And then the more we started talking about it, you know, Galileo Galilei was in Florence. And of course, patronage plays an important part there with the Medici. And there's so much history there, too. We decided to add that. And so for students, I want to hear about the aspect of the trip that you were most excited about as you signed up. And we'll start with our resident undergraduate, Savannah. I was very excited about just traveling, just going over to Europe for a first time traveler, finally reaching a goal that I had set for myself back in high school and getting to experience that was the starting point to just continue driving to go back to Europe. Definitely. And Erin? 
Um, I was most excited for the opportunity not only to like, you know, get to learn more about the history of science and technology and all their weird esotericisms behind it, but also having the chance to see these places, artifacts and sites of culture and learning just in person. It's super exciting. And also going to Prague has always been on my bucket list. So, I mean, why not? It's a great time. Definitely. Becca? So as an active duty service member and an online student, I was most excited about getting the opportunity to travel, uh, study abroad through the school. It's something I had never experienced before. And the opportunity to go to Europe was phenomenal. And then as a history scholar, being able to see historic sites in person is always so special. So that was a really great time. I was excited to travel internationally for the first time um, and to reassure myself that I could do it solo since I was traveling by myself from Pennsylvania. Um, I was also really excited to get a stamp in my passport and visit Prague Castle, as well as see uh, the streets that the Medici walked. Getting that first stamp in your passport is a very fun feeling. How had this course prepared you for what you could expect on this trip? And I'll start with you, Becca. So we did several readings, I think five books we had to read about this course, as well as a few videos we had to watch. Uh, they did really prepare us for the course because a lot of sites we saw, we read about, or we had watched about them in videos. We saw in videos the streets that the Medici walked or the buildings that they frequented, and then we actually got to go there. So I think the course was very thorough in showing um, things that we would experience when we were actually in the country. And Erin? I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, the course content and our readings, uh, those really primed us for just the whole nature of the trip. It, they really helped us grasp how much uh, wealth, ideas, and brilliant people just kind of passed through Florence and Prague that allowed them to become these centers for Renaissance learning. So two thumbs up. I know some of you had not traveled abroad before. So could you speak to the experience of traveling abroad for the very first time, Savannah? So yes, it was my first trip and I was very excited for it. So studying abroad, you think about going over there and it's a little nerve wracking, scary. I've never been in a place so far away from home. You're in a completely different country, but as long as you just pay attention to your surroundings and just know what's going on around you. It was incredible and I enjoyed every moment of it. And Rachel, what was your experience like traveling abroad for the first time? I found it to be really daunting, but also in an exciting way. Um, my dad was able to drop me off at Dulles Airport, which was really nice and see me off before I left. I flew Scandinavian, had zero problems, although I was checking to make sure I had my passport every five minutes. Um, I think I had the right idea in mind by packing lightly. And after arriving in Copenhagen, I had a really um, easy time. I just took a nap and then grabbed my connecting flight to Florence. And it was a really positive experience, although, and I would like to do it again, although flying 12 hours in a day um, is in itself tiring. Definitely. Speaking of that, Erin and I flew on a very long flight earlier this year to Poland. So you had the opportunity to travel to Poland with Dr. Nickel, and then you're back traveling in the summer. Could you speak a little bit about your experience on going on two study abroads in one year? Yeah, I mean, it's been fantastic just every step of the way. Um, I remember that first trip to Poland being super, super nervous about just like, oh my gosh, I'm going abroad for the first time. My parents are going to be there. I'm just going to be with my professors. Just, you know, that whole spiral of, oh gosh. However, 
uh, I mean, the professors here are great and they, you guys kind of watched out for us and that was really good. Plus the department will literally throw money at you. So will the university to make it, sh to make sure that it's affordable and really easy and smooth way to get over there and to sort of experience all of these sort of stuff. So for anybody like listening, if you have any iota of interest in going abroad or you're trying to like, you know, oh, I don't really know if I want to go yet. I would just say, just go ahead and do it. It's more than worth it. It's wonderful. And it's an experience that you'll keep for the rest of your life. Yeah, I tried to get them to give me one of those money guns so we could actually literally throw the money. Um, but they would not let me have one. <laughs> but we did have scholarship money that made it much more doable and you've all kind of mentioned the safety aspect going with other people who are interested in the same things as you are is really fun but also going in a group makes it a little less scary i know that this part is going to be probably hard for you to narrow down but i want to know what was the one part of the trip that stood out to you savannah so yes that is a bit of a difficult question because there is so much happening between Florence and Prague, and not only with the history and the sites we were going to see and what we were doing on our free time, some of the free hours that we had, part of us went to Dresden, Germany on our free day, and then just the diverse range of group that we had with us, that traveled with us. Not only did we have the students and the faculty of like the history department, like Dr. Perez, we also had people from the education department and some of the science uh, department going along. So it was awesome to travel with uh, Dr. Stramel and Dean Stramel. And then leg lighters, it was incredible to travel with them, just getting all of the different aspects, not just from history, but also from like the education department and more of the science behind it was incredible to see different views on what we were looking at. Becca, what was your one thing that stood out to you? One of the things that stood out to me the most was the day we visited Prague Castle. So we got to tour the inside of the castle during the daytime and then the castle grounds. Much of the castle was created within uh, the last century. So they were still working on this castle centuries after it was originally built and then finally finished it only recently. So that was really amazing to see. And then a group of us went back to the castle in the evening for an organ concert, which was amazing. Watching the sun streaming in as it set through the uh, rose little tinted windows was gorgeous. And then listening to the music at the same time was really nice. How did this visit change your outlook or what you knew about the history of science in early modern Europe? And I wanna start off this question with our resident history of science expert, Dr. Perez. Yeah, I, I've read these books before and I'd studied, you know, the scientific revolution um, pretty extensively. And so the actual information, it didn't change for me, but there, there are a couple of things that really stood out to me as I went to these cities. And that was the importance of patronage. So getting to, to kind of dive into the history of the Medici and the money and the funding that they gave, but also um, Emperor Rudolph and his his patronage of science, we wouldn't have this scientific revolution if it wasn't for their patronage. But I'm also going to, I'm going to take two. I know you said one, but I'm going to, I'm going to do two things that, that really kind of changed for me. The other kind of amazing moment was being in Brunelleschi's dome. Like I'd read about this amazing dome and the creation of it and how it was this, you know, marvelous creation for early modern Europe, 
but to actually stand there. And I, at one point I stood and I touched the inside and the outside dome to get to touch something that is that innovative and that creative and that important historically, that to me was really powerful. Yeah. And you got to watch students experience that too, which is super cool. Erin? Um, so the stuff that I kind of gravitated towards was kind of medicine and astronomy and just going there, there's like real artistry in the way that the Renaissance scholars made their instruments and just getting to see all those telescopes, astrolabes, and all sorts of different equipment for mapping out the universe were all so intricate and gorgeous. And that's not something that I would have initially thought of when learning about the history of astronomy. But seeing it firsthand was such an eye-opening experience that I could have probably spent days just admiring the small details. And then for medicine, and while, you know, back then probably more or less deadly and slightly crude, it's still nice to see how far medicine has evolved since then. And anyways, it's just really awesome to see uh, how these early scientists were not just astronomers, mathematicians, what have you, but also artisans and inventors as well. Just educated people curious about the world around them and they're writing, drawing and painting it down. Since you brought up medicine, I'm going to plug your previous episode so listeners could go and find your previous episode on patent medicines. It's one of the favorite episodes that I've ever done. It's so much fun. Back to my question, Rachel, how did this trip change the way that you think about science in the early modern period? I actually agree with Erin a great deal. I think it can be hard to picture the level of detail and how complicated some of the scientific instruments are, especially the ones that are centuries old. Uh, we read about some of these instruments in our texts, but but it's actually different seeing them in person and how scientists of the past used astrolabes, telescopes, compasses, etc. to guide their research. They were a lot more sophisticated than we tend to give them credit for. I know when I travel, food is a huge priority to me. I know what I'm going to eat at every place, everywhere we go. I have a plan days in advance. So I want to hear about the food situation in Florence and Prague whether this is a favorite dish or maybe a dining experience you had. So I'd like to hear from each of you and I'll start with Becca here. So Rachel found a really cool food and wine tour in Florence. It was about three hours long and a group of us went on it with some other people that were touring the city. And it was such a great experience. We went to several local shops that sold wine, cheese, meats, other little snacks. And it was a really great experience to be able to meet those people and then also get to taste the food. Savannah. So yes, I agree with that completely. I loved Prague food most of all, but I did absolutely love the gelatos in Italy. My favorite one was the lavender gelato. Yeah. Very floral. It was a like mint color. So I thought it was mint at first, but no, it was lavender. What about you, Erin? Um, Becca already mentioned what I was originally going to say, but the uh, dinner that we got to see the sunset over the Prague Castle was fantastic. Um, so I'll I'll do a different one. Um, so when we were in Florence, uh, one of the last nights that we were there, um, the group that I was with uh, really wanted to try Florentine steak. And we traipsed out of the hotel uh, and found a little Florentine steakhouse, I guess, is the proper term 
And, you know, it was the food was fantastic as is, but the experience of the waiter coming out with a picture of different cows saying, okay, this one was a happy little cow in Ireland. This one was an unwet, like an unmarried cow. And then this one is like the special cow that you can only get here in Florence. And you have to pick the one that you want. And (laughs) the group chose the Irish one, but the experience of just having that sort of description was odd. How do you pick the happy cow? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just like, ah, okay. But it, it was fantastic. Rachel? I would definitely say that Florentine gelato thus far has not been matched. And in Prague, I really liked the fried cheese because I like fried food and I like cheese. Ergo, fried cheese is genius to me. Definitely. I remember having some gelato with Dr. Perez in New York that was excellent. Dr. Perez, what is your favorite food of this trip? Well, you know, I'm going to have to say gelato. I, we <laughs> had gelato at least once, if not twice a day. And it was it was an event. We all tried different things at different places. And then we would try each other. So we would get you know extra spoons and we would all try each other's. Uh, and then we learned also what is authentic gelato and what is not. And so you know, the bar was raised once we figured out what was authentic gelato and we had to get that. Um, I'm going to go with a non-food item though, since gelato's already been covered. And that is frizzante or bubbly water. Like they had at every meal, I think I was the only person that wanted it. At every meal, they gave you water and you could have just basic tap water or you could have bubbly water. And I became obsessed with frizzante. Yeah. I love bubbly water here. The bubbly water that we had in Poland was gross. So I'll have to try it in Prague and see if I like it there. Yeah. Well, the stuff here in a can, it just doesn't taste right. But when they put it in a bottle, that's when it becomes amazing. This trip sounds like it was amazing for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that was a little different about it is that you didn't just go as a group of history faculty and history majors. You had community members, you had different departments, you had alumni. So how does that make the experience more rich for you, Dr. Chris? You know, one of the coolest things on this trip, I think even more than seeing the historical sites, was watching the students kind of bond with people who were, you know, they they were in different levels in the program. They were in different states. Some of them were online. Some of them were on campus. And then the community members, we had a really diverse group of community members. And at every dinner, the table was different. Like you saw people sitting with different people and they were doing things with different groups. And so I loved watching the the different groups mingle. Yeah, actually we had the oldest student in the young, or not the oldest person on the trip was 80. The youngest person was 20, I think she was 21, 22. They roomed together and they became absolutely amazing friends. And so it was just neat to watch all of these different people come together. And I want to ask the two of you who are not campus students as well, what your experience was like. Rachel, what was this experience like for you getting to meet people from campus and interact with community members? I really enjoyed it because as an online student, I sort of lack that sense of community that I think a lot of the on-campus students have. Um, I enjoyed traveling with some of the education majors because I did teach for a semester and I'm excited to see how they're going to incorporate their experiences into their curriculum. And as for traveling with community members, I really loved hearing about their prior travel experiences and their future plans. And Becca, how was this experience for you? 
So this was my last class before I graduate with my master's. Uh, so I've seen some people's names before. I've interacted with Rachel in another class. And the Fort Hayes online teachers do try really hard to create a sense of community with the online classes, but nothing can compare to meeting someone in person. So it was a great experience to interact with faculty and students that I had only heard of virtually, and then also meet new people. Um, like we've mentioned before, there were people from all different fields. Uh, we even had a resident astronomer, which was awesome. So it was a great experience for me as an online student. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you to Nathan Weiss, who is an FHSU music composition major who composed our theme music. If you're interested in pursuing a bachelor's or master's degree in history online or on campus, visit www.fhsu.edu history to learn more. Thanks for listening.